regardless of your feelings, regardless the depth of your sorrow, regardless of what you're saying, you can be certain of this. The Lord is my shepherd. Welcome to First and Foremost, a weekly broadcast of First Presbyterian Church in the heart of downtown Greenville. Senior Pastor Richard Gibbons invites you to join us as we study God's Word together and discover what is first and foremost in our lives. Today we are beginning a new series of studies in what is possibly the most popular portion of the entire Old Testament. And so we're turning to Psalm 23. Psalm 23, and we're reading together verses 1 through 6. And you'll find it on page 862 of the Church Bible. Psalm 23. There we read these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows." Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. And we trust that God will bless to us this reading from His holy word. Amen. This past week, I received a letter from one of our Sunday morning viewers. And at 10.30 on Fox Carolina on a Sunday morning, we have people all over the area tuning in to watch our service. And I was so struck by the letter that I phoned up the couple who sent the letter just to say thank you. And when I got on the telephone, and the couple lives in Hendersonville, their names are George and Jane Stevens, and they're watching this morning. George and Jane, thank you. Good to have you with us. And when I phoned up and said, I'd like to speak to Mr. Stevens, please, the man said, yes, this is he. And I said, hi, this is Richard Gibbons at First Presbyterian. And he became very animated and very excited that I'd phoned him. And he said, you didn't need to phone. And I said, I was happy to phone. I just wanted to say thank you for such a warm, encouraging letter. And we got chatting for five minutes or so. And when it came time to uh, bring the conversation to an end, I said to please give your wife, Jean, my warmest regards. And then he said, well, hush your mouth. <laughs> I wasn't entirely sure what to make of that, but I took it as uh, he was expressing shock, surprise, a thank you, all in one. Uh, and I said to him, well, please tell her thank you. It was such an encouragement. And this is why it was such an encouragement. In it, George and Jane say this. He says, please know that every Sunday morning at 10.30, we will be joining you. 
And occasionally I will meet someone in the street or I will meet them at an event, particularly our senior saints who don't get out that much, will say to me, Richard, I really enjoy the program. Thank you for it. It makes a world of a difference. And then some of them will tell me this, particularly our ladies. They'll have their breakfast. They'll get changed. They will put on their Sunday best, including their shoes. They will take their Bible. They will sit down and open up their Bible and follow the service through. Because for them, that is their church. And they want to engage with worship. And they are committed and dedicated each Sunday morning at 10.30 to blocking out everything else and prayerfully opening up the Scriptures and saying, Father, what do you have to teach us this morning? And over these next six to eight, nine weeks, as we move towards Thanksgiving and then into Christmas, the next four Sundays we will be spending our time in Psalm 23. And what I would like you to do, and prayerfully I'm asking the Lord, that you will mentally be here, slow down, engage with God's Word, and say, Father, what do you have for my soul this morning? So come with me and explore Psalm 23. It's one of the best-known prayers in all of Scripture. Over these Sundays, we will be asking again and again, where does your focus lie in terms of growing spiritually? And I could not think of a better psalm to do exactly that. And if I were to ask you this morning, as we come to one of the great prayers of Scripture, define prayer for me. I think most of us would say, well, prayer is quite simply when I talk to God particularly if I'm in a tough situation, or I'm praying for the safe delivery of a grandchild, or I'm praying about a difficult circumstance I'm in, I'm praying about a new job or a health issue. That's prayer. And although that may be a reasonable definition of prayer, let me take that and add a little as well. Because prayer is not just about asking and Psalm 23, if it teaches us anything, it teaches us this, that prayer is about being and becoming every bit as much as asking. Because, of course, what we know is this, that when we are genuine, real, authentic in our prayers, it is much more than asking. It is about time spent in deep communion with the Lord. It's when our heart and soul go deeper. It's when we are listening and sensitive to Him. It's when we find Him leading and guiding and directing and transforming. And so, as we come to Psalm 23 and you begin to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want, it's about being. It's about being one with Him and understanding His leading and His guiding and what He's doing in your life right at this point. Let me pause for a second and ask you this. If this morning I was to say to you, what does that opening verse mean to you this morning? 
what would you say? How would you respond? I suspect many of us would say, Richard, I think I can say in all sincerity, with my hand on my heart, the Lord is my shepherd. There once was a time in my life when I didn't know Him, and then slowly but surely He drew me to Himself, and I've come to know Him. And for me, He is a living reality. The Lord is my shepherd, and I feel it each day. And I know He leads and guides and directs my life. And there are days I can't wait to spend time with Him in prayer as I go deeper in my faith. But I also suspect this, that you may be here this morning and saying, Richard, this is the last passage of Scripture I wanted to look at this morning, because I freely confess this morning that I don't feel that I'm able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I love Him. I worship Him. I've walked with Him for years upon years, and He's been there for me in the past. But over these last few weeks, when I've lost a husband or a wife, diagnosed with cancer, I'm not sure I can say, the Lord is my shepherd because he feels so far away. I feel so distant from him. I'm scared. I'm anxious. Quite honestly, I'm frightened. I've never faced anything like this in all my life before, and I cannot honestly say this morning, the Lord is my shepherd. Richard, if you were to push me into a corner this morning and really ask me what was on my heart and soul, I would have to tell you this. I need something this morning to hold on to. I need something that will strengthen me and encourage me. I need a passage of Scripture that will uplift me and enable me to feel and sense Him and draw close to Him again, because these have been tough and difficult and heartbreaking days. And I don't feel like saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm not sure I can say that. Well, if that even begins to describe you this morning, come back with me, please, into this passage of Scripture and be listening and prayerfully saying, Father, I need to hear from you this morning. Now, as we get into Psalm 23 and we continue to explore it over these weeks together, we know this. There are 150 of the Psalms, most of them written by David, some written by Moses, many by unknown authors. And when we come to Psalm 23, we know it's written by King David. We're not sure when but it certainly was written by him. Old Testament scholars will tell you that the Psalms as a whole are emblematic, antithetical at times, climactic at times. At times, the authors of the Psalms use different literary devices to draw us in. Sometimes the Psalms are acrostics. Sometimes they are alliterations. Sometimes there's symmetry. Sometimes there's dissonance in them. But I don't think any of us 
come to the Psalms because of the literary value of Hebrew poetry. I just don't think we do. I think we come to the Psalms for other reasons. Because in the book of Psalms, we find again and again prayers we can identify with, circumstances we understand, trials and difficulties we recognize. And mixed in there is hope and comfort and assurance and the promise of God Himself. I think that's why we come to the Psalms, and especially Psalm 23. And if he begins, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. David is writing about the providence and provision of God. Look at it again. The Lord is. Not the Lord may be, or the Lord once was, or the Lord will be. The Lord is my shepherd. And it may be that's all you need to hear this morning. He is your shepherd and will not abandon you, regardless of your feelings, regardless the depth of your sorrow, regardless of what you're saying. You can be certain of this. The Lord is my shepherd. And your heart this morning may be saying quietly, Hallelujah! But the second part, you're not so sure about. I shall not be in want. Because you are saying, Richard, for me, the storm just is too intense at the moment. I'm too fragile. I'm too wounded to take this on board. But notice what else he says. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and He leads me beside quiet waters. And whenever we read that psalm, that's the portion our eyes immediately go to, He leads me beside still waters. And we always see the peace and the tranquility we see the reassurance, and with it comes His presence, and that's where our eye naturally goes. But please notice the first part of verse 2. He makes me lie down. Sheep will not lie down when they're hungry. Their tummies are empty. They'll be standing up, looking around, nibbling at grass, looking around again for any predators, any threats, and then they'll eat again. And they won't lie down when they're hungry. Or when they're anxious or fearful, they'll not lie down because they know they need to make a quick escape. And if you are passing by sheep in a field and one of them panics and starts to run, the rest do the same. They don't even need to know that anyone is close by or there is a threat. All they know is one of us is running, therefore all of us have to run. And they panic and they run. So they won't lie down if they're anxious. They won't lie down if they're hungry. 
And if they're bothered by parasites or bugs in their ears or up the canals of their nose or laying eggs in their eye sockets, they will not settle down and their heads are shaking and they are anxious and fearful. But notice what the passage says. He makes me lie down. And sometimes for us, when God allows into our life circumstances and difficulties that bring tears and heartache, and we don't know where to go, and we are fearful and hurting and anxious, and He pushes us in a particular direction, He makes us lie down. And why does He do that? Why would He allow such pain and discomfort and unease and hurt and wounds into our lives? Why would He do that? In order to make us lie down. Because when we lie down, we can't panic and run off. We lie down, and we pay attention, and we listen, and we become sensitive. And then it, a relationship with God is what it is now about being and becoming. And that's why when we are in that tough place, our natural instinctive response to Him is one of what? Prayer. Father, help me. Why would you do this? Why in all the world would you allow this to come into my life at this time? What on earth are you doing? What on earth are you doing? And when He takes you to a place like that, notice what the psalmist says next. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, and He leads me beside quiet waters, and then He restores my soul. Do you see the connection? He makes me lie down in order to restore my soul. Philip Keller, or Keeler rather, in a classic book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, in it he describes this. He looks at the sheep lying down and then compares it with Psalm 42. And in Psalm 42, the writer of the psalm says this, Why are you downcast, O my soul? And when a sheep is cast down, and it's an old English term for this, on a warm summer's day, when the sheep has had all that it wants to eat, it settles down, and then it begins to relax, and then its eyes begin to close, and it finds itself just nodding off. The kind of thing you do in the middle of a sermon. You know what I'm, I, I mean? You're just quietly dozing away, and when a sheep is cast down, it starts oh, to stretch a little and get a little more comfortable, and often it will settle in the hollow of a field, and it will just 
relax a little, and then it turns over a little on its shoulder, and then onto its side, and before it knows what's happening, the center of gravity in its tummy changes, and the center of gravity that once was here, as it turns and moves, is now here up one side, and it cannot get up and it starts to flail in the air, and it starts to complain, and it's meh, 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 and it goes on and on and on, and the others around it start to panic and run, and the sheep cannot get up. It is stuck. It is cast down. And what does the shepherd do? The shepherd quickly comes alongside, sets it up on its feet, and then lets it run. No, the shepherd doesn't, because it cannot run. Because when it's been on its back and it's flailing in midair, all the circulation from its limbs have drained out of its limbs, and it cannot function. And so the first thing the shepherd does is pick it up and holds it close and starts to rub its leg, and then starts to talk to it and say, you silly sheep what have you been doing? Did you not realize I was just there watching you all the time? And then when the legs are ready to take the weight, he will put the sheep down and then straddle its back and rub those legs to encourage blood flow in the front and the back. And when he does that, he's looking at the eye sockets. He's examining inside the ear. He's looking at the head of the sheep to see that it's healthy, and it knows where it's going, and it's not hurt itself. And so, when he speaks to it, and the sheep understands who it is that's holding them, and speaking to them, and encouraging them, and bringing life back to them, then then the sheep is able to say, He restores my soul. That's what's going on. Now, if this morning when we began this study, you were one of the ones saying, Richard, I really need a word from the Lord this morning. I trust and hope and pray you found it right here in these opening verses. And maybe it's time to be quiet and to stop the bleating and to stop the panicking you begin to sound like Presbyterian deacons <laughs> when one sets off, the others go. And now I am in serious trouble. Deacons, forgive me, please. And He restores my soul. The American film actor Jimmy Stewart, and I've shared this poem with you several times in the past, so please forgive me, but it seems appropriate this morning. Jimmy Stewart was a Presbyterian all his life, was an outstanding individual, and in the late 1960s, he and his wife received a telegram from the War Department informing them that their son had been killed in Vietnam. And he said, we went through the darkest days of our adult life. 
He said, three weeks later, someone sent us a card with this poem. It's a lengthy poem. There are three stanzas, so please bear with me. In pastures green, not always. Sometimes he who knoweth best in kindness leadeth me in weary ways where heavy shadows lead. Out of the sunshine warm and soft and bright, out of the sunshine into darkest night, I oft would faint with sorrow and of fright only for this, he holds my hand. So whether in a green or desert land, I trust him, though I do not always understand. And by still waters, no, not always so. Oft times the heavy tempests round me blow, and over my soul the waves and pillows go. And when the storm beats loudest and I cry aloud for help, the Master standeth by and whispers to my soul, Lo, it is I. Above the tempest wild I hear Him say, Beyond this darkness lies the perfect day. And in every path of thine I lead the way. So, whether on the hilltop high and fair I dwell, or in the sunless valley where the shadows lie, what matter? He is there. Yes, more than this, wherever the pathway leads, He gives me no helpless, broken reed, but His own hand sufficient for my need. So, where'er he leadeth, I can go. And in the blessed hereafter, I shall know why in his wisdom he hath led me so. He restores my soul. Let's pray together. Father, thank You this morning for this remarkable passage of Scripture. Father, help us this morning to leave here uplifted, encouraged, strengthened, leaving with the affirmation of Scripture ringing loudly in our ears, the Lord is our shepherd. Father, help us each day of this coming week to come back again to Your Word, to live in the light of all that it teaches, to be encouraged, to be uplifted, to be strengthened, and to rest in You, because You restore our souls. Father, hear our prayers, for we bring them to You in and through the lovely name of Christ our Lord. Amen. To purchase a DVD of today's message, please send a check or money order for $10 to First Presbyterian Church and include today's program number. For more information, call 864 864- 864
672-1846 or visit our website at firstpressgreenville.org. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Do you need prayer for something or someone in your life? First Presbyterian Church offers a healing prayer service each Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. Our prayer ministers will quietly intercede for you or anyone you are representing who needs prayer for physical healing, emotional healing, or forgiveness. Our hope is that you will encounter Jesus, the healer and redeemer, in a deep and meaningful way.